I don't know uh, if husbands, if you do this, but um, like when we do long trips especially, how many times do I let you drive? Shannon, none, none times. (laughs) And I'm going to confess to you this morning, it's not because I don't think she's a, a safe driver, I don't feel unsafe. I just feel like that she doesn't know to shoot the gap. Do you know what I mean? It's, I'm just, because I like the control. Well, that's next week's sermon. Um, you know what I mean? Because when you see that that guy's going to maybe merge, you got to get out quicker because you don't want to get behind the semi, you know, because when you're on a 12 hour drive, if you can just get five miles an hour over the speed limit you're going on average, you can shave off on a 10 hour drive. That's 50 minutes. Well, I can see we're done here, aren't we? We're done. <laughs> so all that to say, I will be, again, um, preaching to myself. You're welcome to listen in. In the book of Galatians, chapter 25, I was very disappointed to figure out that one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is, in fact, patience. Galatians 5, 22. What did I say? It's the glasses. Everything's so much bigger. It's like I'm experiencing visual Xanadu this morning. It's like, wow. We'll just read it. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's singular. If you've been around, but I'm going to repeat it just in case. It's singular because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And that's important. Uh, the fruit of the apple tree is apple, singular. But the experience of apple is red, firm, juicy, sweet. Think of that. The fruit of the Spirit and the experience of love is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things, there's no, there's no law. Nobody, nobody disagrees with that. And the reason I can say that I think that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and this just is the experience and description of love, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He would say in verse 4 that love is patient and love is kind. Does these sound familiar to you? It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist in its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It, it bears all things. It's patient. It believes all things. It's kind. It hopes for all things. It endures all things. It's, the experience of love is, is patience. And you know that intuitively. Because when you're being impatient with your family, how's the love going in the house? Parenthetically, this morning. Think about your morning here on the way to church. And your hypothetical son says, I don't know where my shoes are. Or she's still putting her makeup on. Or, and you're over there like, come on, come on, come on, we gotta go, we gotta go. How's the love in the house going at that point? Right, because that's the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. Right, it's not, that's impatience. It's the opposite of, of patience. And I think that the, the, the Lord in his kindness says that patience is important and it's critical because it actually Man, it affects our health. It affects who we are in our lives. There's research done that proves that 
lack of patience, impatience, increases hypertension in us. It, it, it results in, in weight gain. You think, well, how does it do that? Well, lunch is 30 minutes, but I'm not, right, let's get a snack now. It, it results in disharmony in our homes because I'm not being patient. It results in disharmony in our church families because, I mean, it's only 11.25, so it's a little early. If I haven't let you down yet today, give me time. It, it forbears and it endures. Impatience means that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dig in deep and we're going we're gonna to get this and figure it out together because love is patient. Without the patience, how many relationships do we have that were broken because I am hitting the eject button from this one? I mean, think about it. We're all stumbling towards redemption. We're going to bump into each other. When a house is being built, when bricks are being put together and mortar and there's pounding, there's chiseling, there's chipping, there's friction, that's what makes the building strong. It's what makes the living stones, us, when we come together strong, when we rub up against each other, when we irritate each other, and when we handcuff ourselves together, so to speak, with love and be patient with each other and work it out. The long arc of Paul's life it's the same people at the end as it was at the beginning, with the notable exceptions of those who had uh, been executed. So many of them are the same ones because they were patient with each other. And they were patient because this mission locked them together. And they didn't run when it got hard. They stuck it out because love is patient. And I think about us, whether it's our health, whether it's our ministries, so much I get impatient. There's seasons where we got to work and run hard, but there's got to be seasons where we step back and, and rest. So many of us think that there are, our whole lives are about just literally just full bore all the time and no patience to sit back and to rest and to wait on the Lord. It isn't those who run to the Lord that he renews their strength. It's those who wait upon the Lord that he renews their strength. And over and over again in Scripture are promises just like that, that those who are patient, that those... And when I find myself being impatient, what I'm really finding myself doing, those of you that just went on this mission trip, you might be able to resonate with this. And those of you that have been around, you think, there's so much I've got to get done now. There's so much need out there. And what I'm really saying is if I'm rushing and, and being impatient, I've got to get it done now, I'm saying that the Lord doesn't have it under control. So if you don't mind scooting over, you don't know how to shoot the gap, God, I'm going to drive for a little while. See, the opposite of faith, I'm not so sure that the opposite of faith is doubt. I wonder if it's impatience. I wonder if the opposite of faith is me doubting that God can figure this out, and so I'm going to get her done myself. Doubting that God can heal this broken relationship, so I'm going to hit the eject button. Or doubting that God can fix it, so I'm going to fix it. I'm going to, well, control would be a word we would use, wouldn't it? But the fruit of the Spirit is... Patience. If you go with me to the book of Genesis, I was reminded this morning of a, of a guy who I honestly, unfortunately, maybe reminds me more of me than I would like to admit. It's a guy named Jacob. His name means heel snatcher. You know why that is? If you're a teenager, you might, this might gross you out, so I apologize. When he was coming out of his mama... It was twins. It was Jacob and Esau. And it's recorded that he had a hold of the hand, was holding on to the ankle of his brother Esau. 
heel snatcher. And Jacob came out a heel snatcher, and that so such a beautiful picture of how his life would turn out. Because Jacob was all about running, and he was all about shortcuts. See, God had these promises for Jacob. I believe he has promises for you. I believe he has a promise for you, a a calling, a ministry that he wants you to fulfill, a, a mission that he wants you to accomplish. And my temptation is to get into a hurry because God's not moving fast enough for me. And so I'm going to take a shortcut. I'm going to shoot the gap. I'm going to get in the driver's seat. And I'm going to get there faster because in my doubt, I don't think God's going to get it done. See, God had promises for Jacob that he was going to be the father, that he was going to be through his bloodline that Messiah would come. These were amazing promises. And so what does Jacob do? Because he was second born. Didn't seem like, I mean, God clearly screwed that up. So I'm going to fix what God couldn't get right. And remember the story when he treated his brother out of his birthright? When he had for a bowl of soup? Now I got to tell you, it's going to have to be a bigger meal than that for me, than soup. Soup, parenthetically, to me, is not a meal. It's an appetizer, but not a meal. A meal requires multiple things happening. And so he, he was hungry enough that he gave up his birthright over a bowl of soup, be that as it may. Jacob was trying to get around God. And then when his father was on his deathbed, Jacob was trying to get the blessing, which would mean twice the land, the power, the prestige. And so Jacob, so Esau was kind of, he says he was hairy. I don't know how else to just say it. I didn't say what it was. He was a hairy guy. He would be kind of like uh, College Grove, where I'm from. A lot of hairy men And Jacob would be more like East Nashville. Where he's pulling off the beard probably, but he's shaving his arms. You know what I'm saying? Like his arms had no hair on them. And we know this because it says when he went to trick his father, that his father was in age and he couldn't see well. And he couldn't afford readers like these. And so it says that he went into his father and he put like animal fur on it. How hairy is Esau, by the way? If he's got to put animal fur on his arms and his dad touches his hand, he's like, that's Esau. Made him smell bad, you know, because he's a hunter. And he tricked his dad because he didn't believe that God would get it done. And so he's going to get it done for him because he's not being patient. And in Genesis 32, something happens to Jacob because he can't run anymore. God is going to slow him down. The guy that's going to get there, the guy that's shooting the gap, the guy that's going to make it happen and fast is now in a place that he can't do what he's always done, which is run. He's going back to see his brother that he totally ripped off. He hosed him. And his brother's coming, I'm sorry, back to see him, and he's afraid now. And he's going to try and figure this out. And so he says in verse 23 that he took them, speaking of his family, and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. He sent everything over there. They're headed back, and they're going to see Esau And in a minute, you'll see that he's actually going to try and put together gifts. He's actually still going to try and fix it because it's a hard habit to break. But he says that when he sent them across, verse 24, Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. All night long, he wrestled with him. Some of your translations say angel. 
you know, when you let the Bible interpret the Bible, it speaks of the angel of the Lord. By the way, when you see angel of the Lord in Old Testament, I'm going to give you this free this morning. You see angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, I believe that speaks of a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And here's why I think that. Whenever you see the angel of the Lord mentioned and someone bows down to worship the angel of the Lord, he doesn't reject the worship. He accepts it and receives it. When you see an angel and someone bows to worship him, think of the shepherds or think of the people that tried to bow. They say, oh, no, no, get up. We're just like, we're angels. Don't worship us. So I believe this was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. You may not believe that. It doesn't matter. We don't have to like, you know, split the church over it, but that's what I believe. So he's wrestling with God. And when the man saw that he didn't prevail against Jacob, interesting, he's wrestling with him and he didn't win. He touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go. The angel of the Lord saying this, Day is, oh, I'm sorry, this is Jacob saying, let me go because day is broken. Jacob said, I will not let you go. I'm getting it all backwards. It's the glasses. <laughs> and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Jacob wanted to do what he'd always done, which is have it his way. And God did something to Jacob when it says that he didn't. He finally figured, I'm not going to win this one with you. And I don't know in your prayers when you feel like the Lord is leaning and I'm arguing with God and I'm going to do it my way or the highway. Eventually, the Lord loves you enough that when he didn't prevail that way, that maybe he'll throw another roadblock in your way. Not because he's mad or because he's a buzzkill, but think about it. It says that he touched him and he harmed him. Now, we don't have time for the theology discussion of that, but that's interesting to note. Because what happened to Jacob that day was what God wanted him to do the whole time. His whole life was slow down. Be patient. I'll get her done for you in my time, at my pace. And Jacob refused to listen. And from that moment on, Jacob couldn't run anymore because he walked away that day with a limp. He walked away that day. If he tried to run, he'd have fallen flat on his face. He ran away that day without being able to lean on the wooden cane that was crafted from a tree. I believe always when you see a tree in Old Testament, it often speaks of the cross. Leaning on, if he didn't lean on that for the rest of his life, he'd fall flat on his face. Not because God was mad at him, but because God loved him so much that he was willing to throw a roadblock away. Not because of what he could do for him, but because of him. Does God, are you, when you think of your own life, are you important to God because of what you can do or because you're important to God because you? I get that confused sometimes. I think I'm only important if I'm getting stuff done. And it's a reminder that even if I don't get it done, Jesus walked on the earth for 30 years and didn't do a single miracle. Kids, think about this. He could have walked on his bathwater, but he didn't. Imagine being his mom at school. (laughs) My kid got an A on the test. Yeah, well, mine just walked on the bathwater, so. 
He was patient. He only did what the Father said. He only moved. And this is what I think is the best definition of patience that I can think of, which is he stayed in God's appointed place, and he moved at God's appointed pace. God's place, God's pace. Patience. He was never in a hurry. And I'm so grateful for that. When you think in the terms of what just happened to Jacob, Jacob who was used to running, Jacob who loved to run, what did Jacob do now? He limped. He couldn't run anymore. It slowed him down. When his name was changed to Israel, which means governed by God. Have you guys driven a U-Haul lately? How fast do those go? You can floor it. And it's going to go 55. Why? Because it has a what on it? A governor slowed it down. You kids that have, you guys ridden the, uh, the, the, uh, the go-karts, right? And you're so frustrating because uh, I want to go faster because I want to catch that person. But it just, it, I'm flooring it. I'm pounding it onto the floor and it won't go any faster because it has a governor. Jacob was now being called governed by God. And what an what a amazing gift that that is for us. That somebody who's governed by God doesn't go faster, they go slower. They're not frantic, they're peaceful. The burden isn't heavy, it's light. See, the U-Haul would go faster if it weren't for the, the governor. But why does U-Haul put that on there? Because they don't want you to crash it into a wall because it's not like driving your Volvo. They want to slow you down a little bit for your own safety. The go-kart places don't want to get sued (laughs) when you drive it through a wall. So they put a governor on it to slow you down a little bit. And Jacob, if you've got your Bibles with you, I would love it if you could go to Hosea with me because I I saw something here that really captured my heart. Because Jacob, the heel snatcher, Jacob, the crook, the conniver, who's going to be called governed by God. If all I read was just Genesis, maybe I would think that that's all he really learned was that he's got a limp now. But Hosea chapter 12, I know Deidre's been reading through Hosea this year. In verse 9, actually go back with me to verse 4. And by the way, without the glasses, I want you to know that the nine, or the six looks like a nine. I'm being governed by God this morning. <laughs> My eyesight, I feel like Isaac. Verse four, it's speaking of Jacob. Let's so, you know in verse three, he says, in the womb, he took his brother by the heel and in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. So he won, and God says, oh no, you thought you won. But it was through that that it says that he wept and sought his favor. It was at that moment, and I say that because I think that sometimes that in our lives, that what we view as this giant crisis in our life, maybe it's God moving to slow you down, not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you so much. Jacob, his hip was out of his socket I'm unfamiliar with that kind of pain. 
I used to have a roommate in Bible school whose shoulder would come out of socket every once in a while. That's something you cannot unsee. And he would shriek like a man shriek with pain when his shoulder, some of you have probably experienced that, and so you know there's a pain that I am unfamiliar with. And at that moment when Jacob hips out of socket, he's in pain, he's been stopped, the roadblock is there, and it says that he wept. And when you think now, think of Jacob holding on. I'm holding on all night long. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It wasn't through arrogance or anger, but it was through his brokenness and an admission of who he was. And how do we know that? Because what does God say in that? He says, he asks him his name. What is your name, Jacob? Jacob spent his whole life lying. When his father asked him his name, what did he say? It's Esau. He was running from who he was, running from the truth. But not in that moment, not in Genesis 32, for the first time in his life maybe, Jacob could look at him and say, you know, I'm tapping out. I'm Jacob. I'm a heel snatcher. I'm a conniver. But I'm not letting go until you bless me, God. I'm holding on because I got nothing else to hold on to. Esau's coming. I'm going to be dead. My family's gone. I'm, I got nothing left but you, Jesus. What was it that Corey Ten Boom said that said that sometimes the only way you're going to know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And I say that because maybe this morning what you've figured out that maybe the job isn't working out or maybe there's a physical ailment in you or maybe that relationship isn't is just sputtering along. Maybe there's somewhere in this the Lord has allowed this or caused it, whatever your theology might be. So that you, maybe today, maybe finally, maybe after your whole life, can finally say, I'm Darren, I'm a heel snatcher, I'm a conniver. But I'm not letting go of you, because you're all I got. Maybe today that could be some of us. Maybe today we can find that it wasn't in getting something done for him that is going to make him love me more. But in just, as he would say, if you want to write this down and go later, Isaiah 30, Israel was in trouble. And that God wasn't delivering him as fast as they thought that he should. And in Israel would go and work with Egypt because God wasn't going to do it, so I'm going to get it done. They weren't hitting the eject button. They're hitting the shortcut button. In Isaiah 30, it says that the, uh, the first few verses, like 3, 4, 5, it says that they were going to Egypt instead. We're going to get our advice from Egypt. And spoiler alert, that didn't work out very well. But what should they have done? What can we do? In verses 15 and verses 18 of Isaiah 30, it says... Different variations of the same thing. It was in rest that you will find me. It was in waiting that I will be there for you. Some of you are in a season of going right now. Some of you are in a season of getting some stuff done that the Lord has you to do. And others of you have been in that season too long, and you need to hit the pause button, not the eject button. We get to take it back and say, in faith... I'm going to trust that God's going to get this done in his time. He's going to keep me in his place, and I'm going to move at his pace. 
There's some freedom in that. And I, man, what would it be like to have a church where we are patient with each other? Where we are long-suffering, where we are learning to limp. This imperfection in me means that I'm leaning on Jesus and your imperfection in you is you're leaning on Jesus and it's not harming us, it's slowing us down so we can connect with each other. Jacob, for the first time, going to his children who would become the 12 tribes of Israel, saw their daddy no longer as the jerk, type A, driver, get her done. They're seeing him as a guy who's surrendered to Christ. As a father, let that be said of us. Let it be said of you as fathers, as mothers, that they don't see you because you got it all figured out, but they see you that I'm, look, I'm just as broken as you are and I'm pointing you to Jesus, not to me. Leaning on him and in patience and in rest will he meet us. And I know that that's a, I don't know, maybe it's not hard for you. But gosh, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to not hit eject in a relationship when I don't like that. Ugh. And you know what? It's hard for some of you. Look, I'm no picnic. My wife can tell you that. <laughs> but patience means that we get to live. We're 20 years in. It just seems like yesterday, 21. It just seems like yesterday. And there are days she would have liked to have just kicked me right square in the shins. But love is patient. And there are days we didn't get it right. There are days she did kick me. <laughs> but love is patient. And the thing about patience that just, is it, it takes time. And I'm going to end on this idea because the question is, is I want patience and I want it right now. So how do I figure that out? <laughs> well, you let me know and report back. No, I, if, if you go to the book of Psalms with me, one last thing. Because the question is, how do I allow patience to grow in me? How do I, how do, I do that? Because I, I think that that's a legitimate question. The irony that patience is a fruit, but I have to wait to get it. And I think in that idea is the simple truth, which is patience isn't a virtue, it's a fruit. And fruit takes time. Fruit happens when I do a little bit of work in another area. When I plant seeds, fruit happens eventually. And in Psalm 130, I think that there's a, a secret in there that David, the psalmist, is speaking of his own life. In verse 5, he says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, look, look at that, in his word, I hope. He's not hoping in his ability to get her done. He's hoping in, in God's word. If faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I've started doing this recently, and I know I look crazy. Sometimes I put my phone up to my ear, so it looks like I'm actually talking on the phone, so I don't look that crazy. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I believe, which I do, that this isn't just an academic exercise, this is a supernatural communication from the Holy One written 
by 40 authors, 66 books over thousands of years, that it somehow made it all together and is coherent and cohesive, that it's not just a book, this is supernatural. So I've been just looking at passages where I feel like I need to plant seeds in that area of my life. If I need tomatoes, I plant tomato seeds. If I need patience, I'm planting some patience seeds. And reading passages like Luke 21, verse 19, that it's by your patience you will gain your lives, is what Jesus said. He would say in Romans 2, Paul would write in verse 7, that those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and God will give them eternal life, they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I've just started praying the scriptures. And tomorrow, my only goal is to be the next humblest, patient version of Darren. Not to get to the long now, I'm going to someday, but just tomorrow, just the next. And then the next day, you know what my goal for Tuesday is going to be? Just to be the next most humble and patient version of me. And it takes time. And as a church, I hope you'll give me time. I want to give you time. And even in those moments where we're not patient, that we be patient for the patience, knowing that it's fruit, not a virtue. And a word for those of you that feel like you've been stopped dead in your tracks, in the mission, in the ministry, in the career, in the relationship. Maybe the Lord, maybe you've won. And Jesus still doesn't want to give you up. And he's going to put the limp in you to slow you down, not because of what you can do, but just because he loves you. I don't know if you can receive that this morning or possibly understand it. I don't know that I understand it. But for some reason, he reached through the millennia, reached through the universe and the stars and the earth and the atmosphere, and he found me, and he chose me, and he said, I want you. You can do some cool stuff. Yeah, whatever. I want you. And I think that that's what he's doing in this. He's looking at Caitlin's. I'm looking through the millennia and all the, you're going to college. You're getting all these things. You're trying to, I just want you just wanted you. And if we do some awesome stuff together with the Lord, that's great. Some fun stuff in Guatemala, fun stuff in Haiti, fun stuff riding horses around here and chasing teenagers. That's great. (laughs) But it was never about that. It was about you. And I would encourage you this morning, maybe you'll be as stubborn as Jacob and you'll have to be finally pinned by God and pinned and wrestled and put your hip up. Or maybe you'll get there a little different direction and just say I'm tapping out today and being able to say what Corey Ten Boom said with integrity that it's the only way you know that Jesus is all you have until you know that or Jesus is all you need is until you it's all you got let's pray Father would you give us insight into that I'm preaching to myself this morning Lord and I pray that those words will continue to take root in me and that they'll take root in all of us. I just, Lord, I love the idea of a a family and a fellowship of believers who aren't in a hurry. That we have time for each other. I pray that that just becomes a reality in all of our lives. Hmm. whatever's going on out there that in our hearts and when we're together that we can just stop and be patient and enjoy one another and forbear and suffer long together 
And then we're not running out of here, but we're limping out, leaning on you, that we are learning to limp well. Pray that your word, that the entrance of it will bring light to us this morning. It's in your name. It's in the nature of who you are, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. I know the service went a little long today. Thank you for being patient. <laughs>